Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today, we have the the four all-time top appearance makers for Draw, Lose or Draw, making his 102nd appearance on the podcast, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? I'm good. Glad to have joined the 100 Club and yeah, what a weekend for to be a Thistle fan. Women's team made it to a National Cup final. Men's team got through in good fashion against Ross County, a bit of retribution. So, yeah, good weekend all around. You're an esteemed company. Reese Haldane here to make his 114th appearance. Reese, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks, Matt. Like Jamie said already, just a massive weekend for the club, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to discuss it again. David Forrest here making appearance number 162, excluding silly little voice notes to, to keep another present streak up. David, how are you going to treat your 162nd appearance compared to the last 161? I mean, at this point, it's just, you know, it's an honour to still be doing this at this age. And thank you for uh, mentioning the greatest streak in podcasting history. But, uh, yeah, I I had a great weekend um, and we'll get into it and yeah, looking forward to chatting. David, I think this is a question for you because I don't think Reese or Jamie would would admit to this. I think they're they're football freaks. But when you saw the weather forecast for the weekend at the the tail end of last week, were were you secretly hoping for, for a postponement this weekend? I, I'm not going to lie. I I was worried that you were hoping for a postponement oh, because oh, you gave me a lift. Yeah, <laughs> I certainly was. I, I was more worried that you would message me because I, I went on a night out on Friday with my work. And uh, when I was there, I was like, Matt's not messaged me. He's going to fucking welcher me. And I'm going to have to get this, the bloody man pre bus that broke down, by the way. And then I got a message from you saying, pick you up at half nine. And I was absolutely delighted because... That you, you, you've been given mixed signals about the weather, I'm not going to lie, and I was like, oh, this this does not sound good. But, you know, weather was absolutely fine. It was it was all right. I, I was really looking forward to the, the women's game, but I think it was the mix of, of Dingwall again, driving up the A9 in that weather. And I, I on, on Friday night, Saturday morning, I could have really done without it. But in the end, all's well, it ends well. Delighted it did go ahead. We'll have a chat about, we'll do it in chronological order. We'll start with the men's team at Dingwall then on Saturday. And the team news, Scott Robinson came in for Blair Olsen, as we knew. Uh, Dan O'Reilly and Luke McBeth were cup ties. Jamie, were you quite happy with the team when you saw it? Yeah, um, obviously I wanted to see O'Reilly and McBeth played recent weeks, but obviously they were cup ties, we couldn't do it. So no changes to the back line in midfield or defensive midfield wasn't too surprising. Yeah, I'm glad to see Robinson come in for a start. I thought he was good off the bench against Morton. I always think he's quite a tidy player, makes a good impact. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. Obviously, he got his goal and he was involved in the first goal. He did a dummy for Graham. And just even the second half, I know he only played about like 15, 20 minutes second half, but he was good then as well. So very deserving of that start. I think he's really staked a claim to start again against Airdrie in the league. But keeping the team the rest, I thought, I remember I mentioned the podcast last week, could we see Diak come in? Could we see Adloy come in? But obviously he was dealing with Graham and that paid off because Graham had a good game and he scored the opening goal as well. So no complaints from me. 
Bruce, do you want to kick us off with a, a little bit of chat about the performance then, just how, how complete a performance was that on Saturday and who stood out for you? It was excellent, wasn't it? It was, it was everything you could have, could have hoped for. And I know we joked during the week, yeah, last week saying, like, if we go over, if we go up there and we turn them over, like, secretly we'll be annoyed. But that, I think that was a perfect way to do it. We just went up there and we dominated them for minute one. We kind of, we set a marker early doors and I, I don't think we let up, to be honest. Um, I don't think County offered anything. And, you know, that's a premiership side. And albeit they're not having the greatest of seasons, but obviously Livingston are doing worse than them and that's who we've got next so I, I thought well, it was it was one way of traffic and it, it could honestly have been more there was standouts all across the pitch I think in recent weeks Harry Milne's just taking his game to a new level he's, he's reaching back to what he was last season Um, he's just so good defensively so good going forward I thought McMillan had his best game in a wee while as well just we were kind of taking the piss out of Ross County at times we were all, all laying them and stuff so uh, it was it was really perfect and as Jamie mentioned there, I, I, I haven't been 100% sold in Scott Robinson as of yet, but I do think the weekend there was his best performance in a Fissel jersey. I was pretty impressed. He's just, he's selfless and he's a, he's a, he's a workhorse and you need guys like that in any team. Just the, the team benefits from people like him being in. Um, I was glad to see him come in. I, it was either between him or Stanley for me. Obviously, it paid off in the end. He got himself a goal when he was he was involved in almost everything good. So there was good performances all over the park. And but I just think the standout's got to be Stuart Bannigan. And everyone knows the the quality that Bannigan has, and he can come in for criticism. But sometimes just people think he's you know safety Sam sideways backwards and stuff. But you notice him when he's not there. And but more so at the weekend, I thought that was his best performance in absolute years. And potentially maybe one of his best ever. It's funny because I know a lot of people mentioned last season as being Banzo's worst day at Thistle, obviously we all know about that, right? But he also had one of his best ever days up in Dingwall, if you remember back to 2013, our first win in the Premiership away up there, and Bannigan was outstanding that day. I think he scored, he set up another one for Lawless. He was just brilliant when he was a bit more advanced as a midfielder. And then again at the weekend, you could tell it meant something more to him. Obviously, having hadn't been there last season, he just he didn't leave anything out on the park. He was it was outstanding. Every second ball he was on it, he didn't give up once. And he even took a shot on with his right foot that flew into the back of the net. So like, a perfect day, a perfect reaction to obviously to have what the adversity of last season. And just happy to bend the the hat for the next draw. It's it's really good, and we can take a lot of confidence going off the back of that for the rest of the season. And the potential playoffs in the horizon. Yeah, I just got to echo your thoughts on on Bannigan Reese. I, I mentioned after the game on Saturday that I've just struggled to get up for games this season. Even when we win, I, I don't feel quite as high as I've done in the past. But the moment Bannigan's volley hit the back of the net, like that's the first time I've felt like pure joy in a football stadium since since last summer. <laughs> since last summer, it was, it was a fantastic moment. And well, David, I'll come to you. How many times have you watched Bannigan's volley back <laughs> since Saturday night? Oh, it's double figures between the, double. the tweet that we, well, and I, um, I, I was working this morning and on Sunday, so you know I can always fit in so many times at work where I'm not doing anything. But um, uh, from the tweet of the the guy who filmed it, the the pitch side view, the highlights, it's the the, the pitch side view is absolutely, you know, just incredible. It may be my favourite video of a goal that I've ever seen at Thistle. Um, the moment itself, we'd done a Valentine's episode several years ago and we talked about what our favourite ever moment, like just like minute of of, of a, a Thistle game was. 
And I said it was um, the Fitzpatrick against Dundee United when we scored to the death. And then they scored and then it was ruled offside and it was just utter pandemonium. This is this this is pro- it's probably my favourite moment of any <laughs> of any Thistle game uh, that I can remember. It's just the fact that it's Bannigan. It's his face. It's just the fact that he goes, oh, fuck, I've scored that and runs about like an eight year old child who's just got like a, a PS5 for their Christmas. And then Ben Stanway's laugh that you just can't believe it. Scott Robinson's disbelief is utterly perfect. Um, and I can, if you told me this is what's going to happen, what player do you want to do it? I'd say Banzo. Absolutely. Every time. Yeah. It was wonderful. And yeah, just that moment where, because we were up sort of uh, nine o'clock-ish um, in terms of direction-wise um, in the stands. So we were on the left-hand side up, quite high up. And uh, you could see the ball going in. And I think everyone saw it. And we've we've said on this pod before the way, as a fan base, you have a propensity for the ball comes to somebody's feet. There's a wee bit of space to go, shoot, but it's always Bannigan. And I think everyone was like, oh no, what's going to happen here? And then it goes, and then you see the slight, that slight curve of that's going in. And it just, it, unbelievable. Just, I couldn't believe it. Um, I loved it so much. Yeah, I'll shout out Jake Vaughan for capturing that pitch side footage because, as you say, David, it's it's an absolutely perfect minute of footage. Um, obviously, you and Waddle moving on to Hearts, we missed the, the sort of match day stuff, but the, the media team continues to do a great job capturing moments like that. I think since since you and moved on, Jake captured that on Saturday. I know Connor still has been getting some some pitch side stuff as well. So shout out to the media team for for capturing all that because I'd say I've probably watched that upwards of that that just that one one from Jake Vaughan. I've, I've probably watched that upwards of forty or fifty times. That I I love it so much. Um, Jamie, is that your, I, I'm going to say, is that your moment of the season so far, Banzo's volley? Just how good a goal was it? How good was Banzo on Saturday? Yeah, Banningham, Banningham was fantastic on Saturday. I was, you know, I was buzzing for him because obviously I think he'll have probably taken it very hard. He's, he loves the club. He's been there for 13, 14 years, whatever it is. And the playoffs would have been tough for him. Obviously, he missed a penalty and he had the chance in extra time. And, I don't know. I feel he'll have, he'll have taken it very difficult because football has probably played himself and stuff like that. And it's not can't just look at Bannigan and say then what was his fault. Definitely wasn't. But for him to go up there and put in one of the best performances he has in years and score an absolute belter of a volley is probably the last person I would have picked before the game to have scored that. So I mean, it was just it's a magical performance for him and definitely one of my favourite moments of the season. To be honest, that was that was great. It's been a couple of great moments this season, like when Adloy made it four one at. Morton, that was a really enjoyable day and a couple other ones here and there, but that banning of volley probably does top them all. So, yeah, very, very enjoyable day. Rich, do you want to come back in? Yeah, just when you you mentioned, is it the best moment of the season? And it just got me thinking, you know, us guys, we, we go every week and we go to home and away. It doesn't matter when, doesn't matter the weather. And I, I genuinely think that game at the weekend, that's got to be right up there in, the be- in terms of the best away days. I'm trying to think, like, there's been... Plenty and plenty of good ones, you know, winning the league at Falkirk, staying up at Tyne Castle, staying up at Queen of the South. There's, there's plenty you could list them, but I genuinely think, even last season in the playoff, like away air and stuff, I think that could top them all at the weekend. And of course, it's just a Scottish Cup fourth round game, but I don't know, I'm just, I'm still kind of euphoric off the back of it. I'm still sitting smiling, listening, just thinking about the Bannigan goal, thinking about scoring right on half time. It was just, it was a party atmosphere, like the full game. And I just felt confident the full time. I never felt that Ross County bothered us. Even if you look at the highlights, they had two pretty tame 
shots on goal and that's BBC scraping the barrel trying to fling in a Ross County highlight even including that Dingwall and Inverness realistically they should be the good away days and obviously it's tarred heavily now it's heavily tarred in the past but it's good to get one over on them and it means we can kind of enjoy the thought of going to Ross County again a wee bit so I, I'm really happy with it and I, and I thought that's it's got to be right up there in terms of away days for me David I'm going to ask you a couple of questions how did how poor do you think Ross County were? Reese has touched on it. Were you surprised at how poor they were? And Reese mentioned that he was he was comfortable for the full 90. I, I stood with you for the, the full game. How comfortable were you for the full 90? Did you feel like it was a it was a done deal from the moment we went a goal up? Oh of course not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I I mean proper apocalypse now, you know, of Nam flashbacks of Christ, we can't do it again. And uh, in terms of Ross County, now, I, I have to fully admit that because they're not in the Premiership, I don't watch sports in every... They are on the bottom half, aren't they? And they're doing quite poorly. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, I think they're... Are they like 10th or 11th? Is that right? They're on one of those spots, yeah. I can't yeah, yeah. If it's there, Mr. Johnson, uh, I can't quite imagine. Uh, they're in bottom, but they're six points ahead of Levy in bottom. Right, OK, yeah. I, I thought they were, they were doing quite poorly, and frankly, they deserve it. But, yeah, they... they you know, with these sort of things, it's like I'd said before, like, it, it isn't, it isn't, if we won, it wouldn't necessarily be a shock because we are riding quite high in the championship and they're riding quite low in the premiership. I expected better, though. The, the, the bridging quality, I thought, was far shorter than I actually expected it to be. I thought they were really poor. You know, they're, they are a struggling premiership side. But, I mean, you look at it. Like, remember we went to Aberdeen in the League Cup quarter final and they were like absolutely stinking the joint out they'd been beaten was it like 6-7-0 by Dundee United uh, like the week before and stuff like that and they came out and they just turned us over so I was a bit worried about that sort of gulf between Premiership and Championship but Ross County are just offer nothing and to the point where Derek Adams in his interview talked about maybe you know how poor they were and that maybe he should have done a bit more research before he took the job um good um fuck him but um i just yeah i, I thought they were really quick but uh, simon murray i mean we we done the halloween episode and we had simon murray haunting us in there he's all a perennial figure who just every time you think he will score against us and he didn't do anything at all and yeah um they were really poor and i was quite surprised at how much better than we were than them, um, but we're an attacking side in the front foot, so you know, um, it's always going to overwhelm teams that are a bit shaky in confidence. Uh, before we have any Aberdeen fans writing in, I'm sure that there's plenty listening. I had to look up Aberdeen's results before playing us in the League Cup last season because I could not remember any such 6 or 7 0 defeat. Uh, they, they lost 4 0 to Dundee United. But, uh, I, I get your point, David. No, I completely agree. I was, just, I was surprised by like. Obviously, they're struggling as a team, but I think back to the playoffs and like Simon Murray's haunted us and, and Jan Danda as well played really well in the playoffs against us. And he's obviously a player of a lot of quality and he's rumoured that he may, he may be leaving County as well, moving up to, to Hearts maybe. But guys like that just didn't show up. I, th- I thought we were brilliant. Jamie, did anyone else stand out for you? Really, just been, I think the whole team was good. I was saying that on Twitter as well. I think the whole team was brilliant. I think Reese mentioned earlier Harry Milne, he was fantastic. I said earlier as well, Robinson, it's obviously been mentioned a lot, it's Bannigan. I don't think anyone had a bad game. I thought Jack McMillan was really good in the second half. And I don't know, man. I just don't think anybody had a bad game. It's I feel I'm finding it hard to sing, uh, single out certain people because I thought the whole team was really good. But I feel Lewis Nielsen once again, 
very professional performance from him. He was actually maybe unlucky not to score in the first half as well when that ball got cut back to him and he kind of slammed it and the keeper saved it. And I think that maybe when Milne headed over the bar after that, I can't really remember. But yeah, I thought he had a really good game as well. Just the whole team, man. I agree with you, Jamie. I think for me, I think Bannigan was man of the match. Apart from that, I thought Harry Milne was a standout for me. As you mentioned, I think he has he has back to his best after maybe a slow start to the season coming back from an injury, which is perfectly understandable. But I think the last the last month or so he has been back to his best. I know it's it's nearly the time we've got one game left left this month, where there'll be a, a vote for the player of the month. That I I'll, I'll chop four names out who I expect to be the the sort of nominations, and anyone can come in and say if they disagree. I think the the four are probably quite clear that it's going to be Lewis Nielsen, Harry Mellon, Stuart Bannigan, and Aidan Fitzpatrick for the. The four candidates this month. Does anyone disagree with that? I think all of them have had outstanding Januaries. I would go with Brian Graham purely based on him sending Michael Max to the shadow realm uh, in his interview uh, on Saturday. I was absolutely howling at that, but I, I, I agree. I think those four are the, the 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 prime choices. We'll take a look at the the cup draw then. I I think we all think it was quite a, a favourable draw. Reese, are you happy with with Livingston at home, especially considering some of the teams that were left in the, in the pot when we were drawn out? Hundred percent, definitely. Um, Livingston is one of the ones that I kind of fancied to be honest. I, I was actually I'm happy with Livingston. I'm, I'm really happy to be honest because I'd rather take Livingston than than even the likes of one of the other championship teams that might have been in it because it's when you get a championship team it's a bit boring probably more likely you'll progress but as David said see when you're up against a team that's struggling all season and, and Livingston are struggling big time um, to the point where even David Martindale who's, who's, his job actually seems a bit on a shaky note at the moment and that's kind of unthinkable for Livingston so aye, it's a, a really favourable draw for us to be honest of course it could have been better it could have been Rora or Cove or, or even Bonnie Rig, but now we take that all day long and it's a chance for more playoff redemption and it's almost given us a wee bit of a storyline which is always funny and it's very party for lovers and it'd be brilliant just to, to avenge yet another playoff uh, drama so no I'm, it's, it's one I'm looking forward to um, and it's a team we've not played for a, a good few years and it'd be good to see James Penrice coming back and stuff I was actually thinking the other day you know he's never never had a, a game against us yet which is quite surprising for an ex-Fistle player normally they're back the next season you kind of get rid of them but uh, it'll be good to see him back at Fur Hill and, and hopefully he'll be on the, the losing end. But no, definitely I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'm just looking at Livingston's results. They've only won two league games this season and they've not won away from home since August. So I think it's, it's certainly a favourable one, especially when there was only, I think there was maybe five teams left in the hat when, when we were drawn out and Rangers and Celtic were both still in there. So it's, it's obviously not an easy game. It's a, it's a team in the league above us, but I think it's it's a really good chance to get to the Scottish Cup quarterfinals. We will take a look at the, the Airdrie game then. Uh, this is a, a venue that we lost at very early in the season. I think it was the second league game, but we did beat them at Firhill. Both games 1-2-1 by the home side. David, what sort of game are you expecting on, on Saturday? I know there'll be an episode out this week with Colin Telford sort of previewing Thistle's relationship with Airdrie and, and some of Airdrie's key players this season, but what sort of game are you expecting on Saturday? With this, I mean, like the, the last episode when we played Airdrie, um, and even when we, we played them at, um, what's it called now, the Penny Cars? Is it still the Penny Cars? Maybe, I don't know. But um, we, we were very complimentary of Airdrie as a side. I mean, they were absolutely brilliant last season in Week 1, and um, they came up, and I think a lot of people thought maybe making up the numbers, fighting for relegation, that sort of thing. 
But they have shown themselves to be a perfectly decent championship side. They can challenge other teams. They can, you know, they are one of those kingmaker teams that can take points off, like sort of put the teams up top. Um, I think they they are quite a, a a good footballing side. And in terms of games to watch in the championship, it's for us. It's probably as a neutral. Fussell versus Airdrie is probably one of the more easy on the eye games. And I think those both teams play quite well and in the right spirit. Um, the last time, the last time we went, um, it was quite a, a miserable experience. Um, all the they they'd not played us in the league in a while, and you know, beating us and it, it wasn't great. But I'm I'm interested to see what it will be like. Um, I think we've definitely improved from that that time. We were really trying to get to grips with our squad. Wes McDonald came on for a cameo and done nothing and stuff like that. I think we're on more fully formed side now, and I think that it'll be really interesting to see what progress what progress we have made this season. I definitely agree. I think Airdrie are a good side. I think I said after after we beat them at Fur Hill, actually, I, I expected they just to sort of round off the top four with ourselves, Wraith and Dundee United, making up the, the top three. I'm just looking at Airdrie's recent results as well, and they've had three games at, at home this month against Inverness, who were sort of rejuvenated under Duncan Ferguson, against Wraith, and against St. Johnson from, from the Premier League, and they've beaten them all and not conceded a goal at home. So I think it will be a tough game, Jamie. I'll, I'll start you off with the predictions, and you, you can have a word on the game as well. Yep, I think it will be a tougher game, this one. But that's been said already. I think Airdrie are a pretty decent side this year. They've had quite a few good results. They obviously just knocked St. Johnson out of the Scottish Cup as well, so I don't think there are any pushovers. Like David said, we struggled there earlier in the season, but it was a different team, and we didn't even have Kerr McEnroy available that day, and I think that could make a difference with someone like him in midfield. I think for the team, probably just start the same team that started against Ross County. Apart from you can maybe see O'Reilly coming in, there's definitely a case in mid for that. He's been brought in for a reason. And it's no slight in Muirhead, because I actually think, again, Muirhead was absolutely fine against Ross County. He was fine against Morty. He didn't make any errors, really. and He just kept the clean sheet, so it might be harsh to drop him. But I could see O'Reilly potentially coming in. I think Robinson should keep his place as well. And, I don't see any of the front for you or anyone else getting dropped aside from injury. A score prediction, I'll say 3-1 Fistle. I'm not sure we'll keep a clean sheet, but I think we'll win 3-1. Well, Jamie, I hope, you, I hope you take a note of these predictions. Uh, loyal followers might have noticed that a change of graphics, the prediction graphics on, on social media. Uh, we have a new social media manager with, with whose name uh, is similar to that of a, a Morton goalkeeper. Reese Jamie mentioned that Dan O'Reilly might come in, which I think we've, we've all sort of been expecting since he signed. But again, Jamie mentioned it, it would be harsh on Aaron Muirhead because we've only conceded one goal in the last three. Do you think that is the, the most obvious change Chris Dillon has to make? Can you see any more changes to the 11 than your score prediction as well? Uh, it's, it's hard uh, because the, the easy answer is to, to throw Dan O'Reilly in. It's um, why we signed him. You know what I mean? He was doing fine at Rafe Rovers and sitting top of the league when he left him um, and playing really well. And he's, he's obviously came here to play, um, but it's Muirhead's jersey to lose. And I think Muirhead was losing his jersey. It was kind of, it was his form was slipping away a wee bit, but that is the point of bringing in players. It ups the players in that position and competition is a good thing. And it's typical out of Muirhead. You, you think back to when we re-signed him, he was signed as initially fourth choice centre-half. McCall even came out in the papers and in the media saying, but I've, Sign Muirhead and I told him you're going to be back up and Muirhead said I will soon see about that and he's played himself into the team to the point where towards the end of last season he was 
first-choice centre-half, obviously with Milne being out, Holt being shifted to left-back, and he's just kept his place. Ultimately, he's, he's off the back of two decent performances again. So the easy answer would have been if, if Ross County had went and, and pumped us, then Dan O'Reilly would 100% be in. But if Muirhead gets the, the nod, then I don't think we can be too annoyed. He's, he's still deserving of that at the moment. But at the same time, if O'Reilly plays, then so be it. In terms of the game... David hit the nail on the head there. Obviously, Airdrie, a really good team. They play good football, attractive football. We've got a couple of really decent young players. They go about things the right way. They're really frustrating. You think back to that game, it was the first away game of the season. Um, we were awful, but we're, we're a far different team now. I mean, we were starting James Lyon that day. We see they was basically finding his feet in Scottish football. He was playing centre-half and it was, it was atrocious that day. I actually thought Ben Williamson was one of our better players that day and I meant him coming off injured. So just goes to show you we're massively different now. Um, so uh, obviously, Airdrie in a good bit of form, but I think we saw we, um, and I'll say 2-1 for so. David, I'll come to you for your, your score prediction as well, but I'm going to ask, I'm not going to ask you about the match. I think, I think Reese and Jamie have, have previewed it pretty well, but I'm going to ask you, will you be tweeting while in the Airdrie on Saturday afternoon asking for a, for a square goal from your Airdrie followers? I'm a lover, not a fighter. I, I'd much rather have a debate in the marketplace of ideas than uh, fight your fans. So if anyone does want to meet me in the marketplace of ideas uh, to debate, then you know that is absolutely fine. In terms of the game, I think it'll be 2-1 Fissel, um, and a great debate will be had by all. I'm going to go for a win as well. I know I've just rattled off some of Verdi's recent results, but I, I do like the look of, of this at the moment. I was, I was looking at our results as well. And since September, we've only lost to Dundee United and Wraith in all competitions, which we are in a, a really impressive run of form. I think the defence is looking at a, a little bit more solid in recent weeks. I think Sneddon's got a bit of confidence back. Muirhead's not looked as, as shaky as he did in a couple of games over Christmas. Nielsen continue to, continuing to perform. So back is to keep a clean sheet. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win. And, and just in terms of the team news, I, I think the one for me for a game like this is is maybe bringing Ben Stanway back into the team. I think sometimes we have missed him in sort of games where we it might not go our way for the, the full 90 minutes. And I, I definitely think this will be a game like that where we're going to have to dig in at times. And I think Stanway's sort of the perfect guy to have in midfield for that. And whether it's McEnroy or whether it's Robinson that drops out to accommodate that, I wouldn't be too upset about that. But other than that, I think it'll be a, a pretty settled side. I can't see more than one change to, to Saturday's team injuries permitting, to be honest. I was going to say, I think one thing that I think is really crucial for me is that the, the Ross County game, I feel, is going to be very pivotal for us because it was exercising the demons of last season and... Fair play to everybody who went up because, as you, as we said, it was a party atmosphere and everyone was really up for it. And we've been to games before. I mean, Celtic and Rangers in the Cup is usually a good example of a game where you turn up out of sort of duty more so than once. And I, I felt that that could have been us on Saturday or people turned up because they had to rather than they wanted to. But I think that getting a result like that and it being such a great weekend for us it could be the springboard for us to to give us that extra edge, and yeah, I think that I think coming off of that weekend, I think we'll get the win against Airdrie just because of the momentum we have and that sort of that that bounce, so to speak, or that boing. I certainly hope so. David, I'll come straight back to you. Then we will chat about the the women's game now that took place on Sunday. This was a, a sort of monumental day in the women's team's history. How big is it for them to reach their first National Cup final? And just how impressive was the performance yesterday at Peter's Hill? 
It was it was a fantastic performance. I mean, first of all, you have to address the weather. The weather was shockingly bad. Um, I, I, everyone gets soaked. The wind wasn't blowing in one direction. It was blowing in like two or three directions all at the same time. It was an absolute nightmare. And I felt that the game was very much defined by this will be won by someone having a pop at goal and scoring a mad screamer. And we, Brian Graham seems to have instilled this in the team of just have a go sometimes. And they do, because Rachel Donaldson, I believe, has done this a couple of times where she scored quite a few screamers in the wind or whatever because it's, you know, I'll just have a go and see what happens. And I think it was just a case of we had to, we had that bit about us to have an audacious go at goal and it paid off. I thought we defended really well when we went 1-0 up and then 2-0 up. Um, a, a consummate performance. Um, and to, to get to that final, I mean, there was a post last week on the women's uh, Facebook a picture from the first ever game, which was at a high school pitch <laughs> 10 years ago and when they lost to in like Division where was it Division 4, so probably like Tier 5, 6, something like that. And it's like from 10 years ago to go to that, to a cup final. And I, I think it's very hard to overplay just how big that an achievement that is. Obviously... In the men's game, Rangers and Celtic dominate and everyone expects a Rangers-Celtic final, you know, provided the balls are microwaved together to keep them apart. And, you know, for one team to get to that is a huge, huge event. Women's football have three. Women's football have Glasgow City, who have won, like, nine of the... Well, probably more than that of, of like, the Scottish Cup. They won, like, 12 in a row they, uh, in the league. And, uh, like, the whole, like, pretty much... They were winning titles from day one up until about last year, like the like entirety of Keaton's lifetime until last year, Glasgow City were the, the, the big dogs. So you have three huge fish in that pond and, and there's not really much room for anybody else. And then you've got Hibs who are a pro side and Hearts as well. To get, I mean, the fact that the, the, the final is on an international week and they didn't expect any Diddy teams from outside the Premiership to actually get to the final says it all. They wanted Rangers Celtic at Glasgow City. They didn't expect that we would get there, and we did. And it's absolutely monumental. It's been, what, 53 years since we got to a final? And it is, it's absolutely huge. Jamie, what did you make of the, the game itself yesterday? Who who caught your eye in, in pink and grey? I think the whole team was brilliant. I mean, Rosie Slater's goal in the second half was a ridiculous strike. I thought Hibs were putting in some wild tackles, to be honest. I think they were lucky not to get more bookings. The red card was coming. I wasn't surprised to see that. Obviously, I actually think, given the conditions, it was actually a good game of football because it's hard to get a good game going that level of rain and the wind as well. But I thought, I don't know, I think the whole, the whole team was brilliant. But I'll just give women of the match this later, purely for that goal, purely because it's just a, it's just a wonder strike, isn't it? Stuart Bannigan scores one for the men's team. Jose Slayer scores one for the women's team. And just treat it to a great weekend of football. It was. David, I think you made a good point, actually, about the, the sort of... The, the long shots you see quite regularly from the women's team, the games I've gone to, I don't think I've seen a game where Amy Bullock in midfield hasn't tried tried a dig from distance. I think Cara Henderson often does it as well. Rosie Slater scored three from outside the box this season. So I think it's that's quite a notable notable feature of the team. And it's certainly effective. Slater's goal yesterday was, was outstanding. I'm so impressed with her and Demi Faulkner at the back. I think they're, they're so solid. They don't give 
much away at all, but it's not like they're just sort of no-nonsense centre-backs. Um, I think they're both so comfortable on the ball. And I think in Thistle's first season up in the Premier League, they did get a sort of tag of playing sort of up and at in football, sort of long ball, physical, making it hard for teams. And there's still an element of that to them, but they, they play really, really good football now. Like players like Donaldson, Henderson, on the ball, Lawton from fullback. Every time I see Thistle, actually, I think Lawton really impresses me with her runs from deep. It's sort of Jack McMillan-esque. They're a really good football team, and I think it's, it's not just a sort of it's not just deserved for this season or or yesterday's game. I think it's uh it's deserved as a sort of body of work for for the last ten years and maybe specifically the last sort of three or four since Brian Graham has been involved in some of the, they've got a really good core of the team now as well that have been there for a wee while. So I think it's a tremendous achievement from from all involved. We will pause there to kick off a new feature on Draw Lose or Draw. Welcome to Travel Jags. I'm David Forrest, podcaster, adventurer, dreamweaver. There's nothing myself and my podcast colleague Matt Greer love more than travelling the length and breadth of the country to watch 2-0 losses in the rain. From the Arctic tundra of Broadwood to the jungles of Capelo via the deserted wastelands of Cove, we'll explore it all. So pack your bags and join us. Welcome to Travel Jacks. Our expedition starts at 9.30am with Matt picking me up. Good morning. Good morning. How are you feeling? Um, I mean, it's Dingwall. I've not been in, what, five and a half years, so it's... Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Wimpy, Mallard, it'll be be good fun. Staggy five. Yeah, and I mean, the last time we went up, it was, what, 4-0 in the snow. It can't happen twice, Matt. It can't happen three times, Matt. <laughs> like what pie are you taking home for Lindley? Oh, it's got to be a staggy pie, isn't it? It has to be. Uh, schedule stop on the way up, Dalwini. And then hopefully a straight track on the way down. I cannot wait for Dalwini. Let's do it. As the miles rolled by, myself and Matt decided to stop off at Dalwini to pay tribute and worship at the altar of one of the great Scottish footballer Wadey Delicacies. We have arrived at destination Dalwini. David, talk us through your, your breakfast. What a place. <laughs> the Deerstalker Cafe, thank you for your service. Um, we both got a roll. I got a roll in potato scone. You got a roll in bacon. Bacon potato. scone, yeah. And wow. the size of the roll, I mean, it's like a dinner plate. It's... Absolutely incredible. Um, sort of talking about discus circumference here. Yeah, well, like, yeah, it is basically a discus and totty scone is what you've been. Ah. And it is absolutely phenomenal. Hundreds of flour on it. Three totty scones in the roll. Sensational stuff. Yeah, it was it was well stocked with with bacon. I talk when I talk about pies, the ratio is the most important thing. The the bread to butter to filling ratio was perfect. Then I've got a question for you, Dalwini. Obviously, a regular stopper for us. It's it's freezing today, covered in snow. No ducks, no rabbits. Why are we going to continue to drive north for an hour and a half rather than go and do the distillery tour, which is about half a mile down the road? I agree, absolutely. Or at the very least, we could just go back to the deerstalker and sit at that big fire for yep. six hours and then come back. <laughs> Kirsty and Linda don't need to know that we no. just never let the game. Just would you know, just sat in eight discus-sized rolls and totties gone all day in between the distillery tour by the fire. Yep. Sounds great. Anyway, uh, next stop, Dingwall. <laughs> 
after a starter and a winnie of a massive discus-sized roll, it was time for the main course at the Cathedral of Nostalgic Scran, Wimpy. David, we've just been to Wimpy. <laughs> One of three Wimpies in Scotland. Yep. Was, that, was that the highlight of your day? Oh, um, absolute pinnacle um, yeah it is oh, there's only three it's Dingwall it's Fraserburgh and it's the one in that weird place in Kilmarnock it's like is Wimpy the best food in the world no however it's like you know how those like white rhinos that you get that there's like, only six of them left in the world and like you, you know you did, you know you're watching daytime TV some quiz show and they'd be like you should adopt a white rhino um, it's very much like that we need to support them because when they're gone they're gone they're never coming back but yeah, you had some chips. How were the chips? Chips were good. Yeah, the burger was good. I mean, they call it a hamburger. It, the best way to describe it is a beef burger. That's base. It's not... Um, you get it on a plate with a knife and fork and table service and, yeah, a, a, a fine institution. So you're talking about you're obviously a very talented audio editor. Do you think you'll be going into to adverts and showing some sort of black and white footage of wimpies for £5 a month you could save one wimpy for £15 a month you could save all three and for £30 a month one wimpy might pop up in a town near you I, I, you know I'm open you know my, my DMs are open if anyone wants to get me for that advert um, I love the fact that if you search McDonald's Dingwall it comes up with a tool shop uh, just McDonald's hardware so yeah uh, but no um, definitely we need to adopt a wimpy for Christmas because a Wimpy's for life, not just for Christmas. Exactly. Um, you, you kindly paid in, in Wimpy today, but you, you didn't tell me. <laughs> so you went back to the car to drop off a bottle, and um, I asked for the bill, and the guy was like, no bother, I'll bring the bill over. And then I proceeded to sit like a prick for ten minutes before <laughs> the guy returned and went, oh, by the way, your mate paid. So I think, thank you. But, you know, I had a nice time in Wimpy. I think that was the first time I've been to, to Dingwall Wimpy. I've not been to one piece since I was about five. So was and it's not changed. With one piece consumed, it was now time for the two of us to split off our own ways and for myself to get a much needed refreshment. A lot of people when they come to Dingwall, they, they, they go to the Mallard, you know, that's the big place right next to the train station, that's the, the big pub. But I, I'm an intrepid explorer. I, I don't like to go to all the touristy places. And the Mallard's a bit of a tourist trap. So I went off the beaten path and went to the Caledonian and had a nice pint in there, watching copious replays of James Cagan's Schemer Against Harps. You know, £4 pint of tenants, um, just a, a lovely atmosphere and a, a proper old pub that you can have a great time in. I would heartily recommend it. Live a little, open your mind, expand your palate, don't just go for the norm. You know, get your mind out of the tourist mindset and pop down to the Caledonian the next time you're in Dingwall at the Cape Place. As I finished my pint, Matt had left enough room in his stomach for one more bit of food. The world-famous Staggy Pie. I had a, I had a Staggy Pie. Curious pricing strategy. £4 for, for any pie. Staggy Pie was £4, so was a Scotch. Who's in that economic market? Who's going for anything other than a staggy pie? It's, it's, it's lunacy. Hopefully, this means the downfall of Ross County. Uh, it's, it's still the elite pie in Scotland, though, David. Uh, Mr. McGregor, thank you. <laughs> it's half time. We're 2 0 up. But for Matt, the spectres of the past are still haunting him. 
it's half time in the, the Global Energy Stadium, David. We're two nil up. Ex- how, how excited slash petrified are you? I mean, nothing can possibly go wrong. There's no precedent for us being up at the up, you know, winning the Dingwall at half time. Um, absolutely brilliant. But um, we're winning three 0 I've obviously checked by three six five. Ross County are only eight to one a quarter. An absolute <laughs> travesty. An absolute travesty. Um, yeah, if anything, us winning in this fashion would be worse than a defeat. Oh, it certainly would. <laughs> exactly. So, but 3 0. I predicted 3 0 on the pod. It, it, it's coming home. Uh, I'm going 2 to Ross County Penals. We'll catch up with both It's full time. Fistle of 1 3 0. And now myself and Matt are ready to make the journey back home. David, we're, we're in the car. We have just watched Ross County now. Partick Thistle 3. On a scale of June 2023 to Moon Pie, <laughs> how high are you? Staggy's Pie, <laughs> what a time to be alive. Stuart Bannigan's goal. The, 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 the thing I loved about it is even he didn't believe he'd scored it. <laughs> he was like, oh fuck, this went in. He couldn't believe it. Oh, an absolutely superb day out. I got a prediction right as well. What, is, um, what a day for the ages. It was a day for the ages. That that should win the Puskas Award. We should extend Bannigan's contract basically to his terms. What, what a man. But that was a, a really complete performance. I thought everybody over the pitch, there was nobody less than 7 or 8 out of 10. But everyone was brilliant. Definitely. Um, I mean, like, you know, Sneddon as well looked, you know, back to being... Um, well, his confident best, eh? Yeah, exactly. Confident and composed. And, yeah, I just thought everyone was was brilliant today. Harry Milne was great as well. And, yeah, um, yeah, a great outing from all everybody. And a nice touch at the end when they all came over to clap us and say thank you and all that. It was very nice. They all looked buzzing. Chris, they all looked buzzing. David, we're about to set off home. We'll, we'll have a catch-up just as you, you leave the, the car to go back home. Uh, do you have any final words for the, the people of Dingwall? Um, save Wimpy. After a 12-hour round journey, our intrepid heroes return from the expedition in a reflective mood. David, the time is 23 minutes to nine. I'm dropping you off at your front door. Have you, have you had a good day? Absolutely. Um, I've learned two things today. Well, first of all, um, it is not only good but important to keep to hold grudges um, because when you get get one over them and get up them, is uh, the, the sweetest ambrosia going. And as well as that, Stuart Bannigan should win the Ballon d'Or and the Pushkus Award. Uh, but no, I've had a great day. We had some good scran and yeah, it was a quality day out. We have absolutely exhausted the archives of the Football Quiches podcast and produced our own uh, <laughs> How His Player X Never Played for Player Y11. That was good fun. It was. We are currently at about 400 likes on that tweet. Wow. Um, so, I mean, this may be the last episode of Draw Lose Draw because we are now like social media gurus now. Exactly. Um, but yes, but no, absolutely a great day had by all. It's been a pleasure, David. I'll catch you at Pierce Hill tomorrow. Before we go on to Partridge Thistle, we'll, we'll go for one listener question. We'll go back to Bannigan's goal. It deserves another mention. Dave Donnelly's asked, thanks to Bannigan's goal, what is the panel's most delicious moment of retribution? Um, recent Jamie, you do not strike me as the, the retribution type. So unless you want to, to prove me wrong and come in, I will fling this one to David because you do seem like a bitter man, David. <laughs>
<laughs> you're not wrong. So I, you know, I, I'm I'm very easy Ozzy and horizontal. I I generally let things slide. I I don't have the energy to care about stuff or be aggrieved about it that much. Um, however, um, I did used to work for a job who were always criminally late with my wages because he basically had to go down to the bank and pay them in, and he would always give us so many excuses about why he couldn't pay us that week, which obviously is very detrimental to well, you, you know, your life in terms of you need your pay when you're meant to get paid and stuff like that. And it got to the point where they stopped paying us completely. It was a big protracted negotiations for us to come back. And um, I found another job in the time. But I still kept phoning them saying, you know what? Yeah, I'll come back the second that you pay me my money. And I, I didn't. I, I did. I sent my, my best friend from school. His dad was a journalist at quite a big newspaper. And I just got him to phone my manager and say he was writing a story just to spook him. And um, the, the, uh, within the hour, he had phoned me saying, I will pay it to you by the end of business today. And the second it was in, I phoned him back and said I received the money. And also, I found a new job two weeks ago and will not be coming back. Um, so I got all my money. And they actually gave me a little bit more just to kind of apologise so that I would definitely come back. And then immediately turned around and told him I'd already got a job and told him to stick it. So that was that was quite wonderful. Um, I really enjoyed that. But um, yeah, um, you know, bitterness is great, you know. It, it, <laughs> Embrace the misery, as I said last week. Embrace the darkness. <laughs> Great stuff, Dave. I hope that is a satisfactory answer. Very. Please keep these questions coming. Um, we will finish as we always do with partage this. So now to start off this week's partage this, so I'm going to read you an extract from a a newspaper article in Brazil. It's about 20, 10 years old now. Let, let me let me start this off. Joao Pimenta da Silva had a dream. The 71-year-old Brazilian man woke up one morning with the utter certainty that there was gold hidden beneath his house. He started to dig a tunnel to find it, but Pimenta's dream turned into a nightmare when he plunged 130 feet to his death. Though Pimenta lost his life digging the hole, authorities remarked that he dug it with perfection. So I'm going to ask you, what is the most ironic or funny way in which you could die? Now, obviously, I'm not wishing death on any of my fellow panellists here, but if, if you could die in any way, <laughs> what what would be the, the most ironic or funny? Jamie, I'll start with you. I've pulled up engines here. Come back to me. I need to knock up This is right. The, the disciplinary panel is going to be meeting because I sent you this question four days ago. You've had four days to come up with an answer. I, so I hope you can, can do better. planning my death, Matt. Well, what else have you been doing? Living. He's not, not running the socials. The DLD Twitter account, right? No, he has not. <laughs> Jamie's uh, contributions to DLD as a whole coming under review this week. Reese, can you bail us out with an answer here? <clears throat> well, I've got one. Uh, I've got. I've actually got an example. Not not Excellent. obviously about myself personally. I'm, I'm still very much living. But uh, have any of you ever heard of the name Timothy Treadwell? No. Right. So uh, I don't know. You might might remember it, but as a a guy who is a I'm looking at his Wikipedia now, and it says American bear enthusiast, environmentalist, documentary filmmaker, and founder of the bear protection organization, Grizzly People. So anyway, this guy was a bear enthusiast, as I say, um, and he spent his life being obsessed with bears. And uh, him and his girlfriend, and his girlfriend had a irrational fear of bears. She hated bears, and he was obsessed with bears. And he was trying to prove to her that bears were nice, friendly things. And uh, He's literally caught on video uh, a, a bear eating a salmon in a lake, went to bed in his tent that night, and then that night that bear came and 
savage both him and his girlfriend eating in my life so I just think that's one of the ones that you spend your life devoted to to try to prove to your girlfriend that bears are harmless and then they just tear you apart by one of the most grisly things I just think that's quite ironic that's probably up there with the most ironic deaths I've heard of that that is a good story. Did you, uh, David? You might know this. You know Victoria Corin Mitchell of uh, Only Connects fame. She had a yep. psychologist to go over her fear of flying, and then the psychologist died in a plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, that was going to be close to my answer. I was going to say like the most ironic way I could die. Like I, I've told my friends this. Like if I if I died on a plane hijacking. There would be a sort of certain <laughs> sort of sense of irony to that, you know. But, um, David, do you have an answer for this one? Yeah. So much like the, you know, like it's. Uh, I'm always of the, the opinion if you can get a laugh out of my misery, then you know what I've I've made I've improved your life. I've given you a chuckle, so that's fine. So I I agree that you know, if if you died in a plane hijacking, it's all we would talk about for like weeks and months and like we'd have to wake at the funeral and we'd just be talking about how funny it is you spent your whole life talking about insurance policies in the world trade center and playing hijackings and then it happened um so it would be it, it would be very funny um i i remember a while ago i went to the iron brew carnival and for a whole um manner of basically people who were with and stuff like that whatever but a lot of them basically didn't like roller coasters. So I kind of questioned the reason why they'd went to the carnival in the first place. But we settled on the Frozen Family roller coaster, which is sort of like basically a child's roller coaster that goes a wee bit fast, but nothing big. But we went on this as a sort of appeasement of, look, you need to come on a roller coaster, let's go on this. And when I was on it, obviously Ironbrook Carnival isn't really known as a paragon of ride safety. Um, it is a, a shonky operation that to be honest lots of lots of bolts and bits of metal just sticking out of things and you don't know why and it's all a bit shaky and i did have a thought on there of going imagine if i died on this imagine if like i like linda had to explain to my friends and family how did he die oh he died on a roller coaster or like one of the big ones in america or something or like one you know the big one at blackpool or no 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 the frozen family roller coaster a child's roller coaster I think that would be very funny because people would just wonder why, why a why I was on it and b how I died on it, and I think that would be very good. So and then of course I'd have to have Ronan Keating life as a roller coaster as my um, <laughs> uh, music for when I go. Uh, I'm, I, I yeah. So that that would probably be I, that would probably be quite funny. I think we have done funeral music before on Partridge Thistle, but but thank you for that that added detail, David. Um, Jamie, you got an answer before the the disciplinary panel hands down a three pod ban. Three pod ban. Uh, I was thinking, I was just thinking of random things you could do, but I can't think of any good answers that's relevant. So I'm going to have to take the ban. So you'll be stuck in 102 appearances for a while, then, Jamie. We will leave it there for this week. As we mentioned earlier, we will have a, a special pod out at some point this week. Another one in our, our Draw, Lose or Draw series this time, uh, focusing on Thistle's relationship with Airdrie. That's going to be out with Colin Telford. We would, again, sort of strongly encourage you to go back to listen to our, our special episode detailing sort of week in the life of, of the Thistle women's team. We had plenty of great contributions from like the volunteers, the media team, Brian Graham and Rosie Slater and Lindsay Taylor. So, so go back and listen to that if you can. 
we will be back next week to review our trip to Airdrie and then I believe we have a free week after that so we will we will f- fill the airwaves with some some nonsense if you've got any good Partridge Thistle questions that Jamie might be able to answer we'll have a bumper Partridge section next week to, to fill the preview gap there in the meantime stay safe